Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. If you'll turn to 2 Corinthians, and last week we left off at uh, verse 15 of the 5th chapter of 2 Corinthians. And this week I'm going to uh, give us a running start and and begin with uh, verse 14. And one of the reasons I want to read this is that I want you to I want you to hear Paul's heart in this. There is a consistency in this part of the letter where Paul is is really pleading with this with the Corinthians. He's pleading to reveal the truth of what God had created them for in Christianity. He's pleading for them to quit looking to externals and listening to the false teachers who are saying this is what Christianity looks like and isn't that like the enemy? I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of years trying to live up to the Christian image that was continually being built before me and being shaped and reshaped and only to discover that I could never live in that image. But what I could do is I could yield to the life that he placed in me and allow Christ to be Christ. Well, Paul is pleading with these people and he's saying, this is how I want you to live. This is the truth of what the Christian life is. This is the truth of the new covenant. Starting with verse 14, he says, I'm reading from the Amplified. He says, for the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us. Because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. He died for all so that all who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have no such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old Previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It was God, personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them 
and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of the restoration to favor. So, we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeals as it were through us. We, as Christ's personal representatives, beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. We pray that the Spirit of God will bring the truth to our souls tonight. As I said, I wanted to read the text so that we could see Paul's heart, the flow of what he's trying to communicate to the Corinthians. Second Corinthians, as I've mentioned, is probably the most intimate view that we have of Paul. And what we see of Paul is Paul has one motivation. He has one drive. He has one image to present. That is, Christ is his life. He is just about Jesus. We can say that about Paul. And this is what he wanted the Corinthians to see because they'd been invaded by these false teachers who were doing everything to draw their attention to the externals. They were coming with credentials. They were coming with all kinds of recommendations. They were blotting their their uh, reputation and, and their knowledge before the people and condemning Paul at the same time. And they were critical of the way Paul looked and they were critical of his lack of eloquence and they were critical of how he delivered the message and continually pointing to Paul's appearance, Paul's externals. And he were doing this to draw their attention away from the person of Christ to the person of Paul. And isn't that really what happens when we get distracted with people? When we become threatened by them, when we become offended by them. We have a clearer view in our minds of flesh than we do of the person of Christ who is our life. That was their goal. In these verses that I have just read, you see the truth of the new covenant. That we are not bound by sin. We are not made for this world and its appetites. And what God has done through Christ has changed who we are. It has changed how we function. It has changed how God sees us and how we see God. It has changed how we should see each other. Let's begin at verse 14. Verse 14 says, For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us, because we're of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. Verse 15. And he died for all, so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves. Stop that. But to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. The love of Christ, he's not talking about Paul's love for Christ. And that's how we read it. But that's not the truth. Religion tends to cast Christian love in the light of obligation. As though we love because it's only right to love in return for all that God has done for us. And I've heard that preached. It's actually a man-centered perspective and it's a distortion of what God intended that love to be. 
The word that Paul is using there is not man-centered love. It's actually agape. Paul is not talking about his feelings for Christ. The Greek word agape is literally the love of God. It has God as its origin. He's saying that the very life of God within me, which is love, 1 John tells us God is love, that very love, that life within me compels me. And the word there is like the very nature of him. He's talking about, we're talking about the nature of God, but if I were to say to you that a bird is compelled to fly, you would immediately say to yourself, well, that's because he's a bird. It's in his nature to fly. When Paul says we are compelled, directed by the love of God, he is speaking about who he is. And the very love of God within him, the very nature of God that has come to him through the Spirit of God, moves him forward in love. So Paul says, we don't have any other motive. We're not driven because we owe God something. This love emanates from the very life of Christ himself. It has its source in Christ, not in Paul. And Paul is telling them, we are governed by the force of Christ's love within us. We believe that if one died for all, that is, Christ died for all. That's what he's saying. Why did Christ die for all? Well, look again at verse 15. It tells you right there, it says, So that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. Why? So that those who live might live no longer to themselves. No longer live selfish lives. Lives that are flesh-oriented. He died to give us life. That's the bottom line. 1 John 4, 9 says, In this, the love of God was made manifest, displayed where we are concerned, in that God sent his Son, the only begotten or unique Son, into the world so that we might live through him. How are we going to live? So that we might live through him, so that we no longer have to live to ourselves. And what does it really mean to live to yourself? Well, that just means to live according to the flesh, to define life by the body. That's how you define life. If I were to say to you, like earlier, I said in my life, you immediately knew I was talking about the microphone. But if you had the wrong definition of life, you'd say, well, of course you are, you idiot. You're upright and taking nourishment. You're alive. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What God's speaking of when he says that they may no longer live to themselves, which is no life at all, that they might live to him, which is his life. That's the comparison between the two. To define life to the body is to live to yourself. To divine life by the circumstances is to live to yourself. To live from one need or desire to the next is to live to yourself. To find every achievement just short of fulfilling. To be always needing significance and affirmation. In essence, to live to yourself is not really living at all. It's just existing. For the Christian who lives to and for himself, it's existing with God's help. But it's not life. 
And I know scores of them. Well, I'm a Christian. They got the same coping mechanisms that the lost man has. They have the same emptiness that the godless has. In fact, they've got a little bit more bitterness than the godless because they're living contrary to the way they were made. They're walking around fighting all the time, trying to decide who they are. They, do they like the world or do they hate the world? And then they hate themselves because it, they're convinced that maybe they do like the world. There's always this duality, this struggle that's going on within them. And you talk to them and they will tell you, they would say, listen, I know Jesus saved me. I have Jesus in my heart. But life is rough. And you know what? They become what we call suicidal rapturous. Just can't wait for Jesus to come to get us out of this hell. They never ever enter into the truth of what God called us into as far as a life. They never learn to to define life correctly. So what is Christianity to them? It's just living the best you can with God's help. We'll underline all those scriptures that kind of point to the image, but... You know, only the really spiritual people have been able to apply them. I've just barely been able to memorize them. Sound familiar? I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm telling you my testimony. It's the way I lived. Yes, great whale went up among the people. We as Christians are not made for living to ourselves. So when we do, we're constantly looking for life in externals like the lost do. As Christians, we have a new life and a new way to live through Him. We've been set free from living to ourselves. We have been delivered from living according to the flesh or according to the body. We can no longer define life that way. Listen, we know this. If you die, if your body dies, you're not dead. Paul made that point earlier in this chapter. You're just in a temporary residence anyway. We're going to touch on it again. Death is not Something that you experience in your spirit, it's something your body's going to go through. Not you. Not you. It's a transition. Verse 16. Consequently, because we have determined to no longer live for ourselves, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. Now listen, this is a choice of faith because it's a whole lot easier to know someone according to the flesh than to know them as God knows them according to who they are. There are only two kinds of people in the world. You know that? The enemy has got us all divided up by the color of our skin, by the gender, by, you know, by political parties. He's got us every way the enemy can divide us up, he'll divide us up. And his desire is to distract us from a very elemental truth. There are only two kinds of people in this world. Those who are living in death and those that are living in life. Those who are born of Adam and those that are born of Christ. There are no other kinds of people. Period. And God made a very clear path for us all, every man, to live in the birth of his son. But many will choose not to. So he says, we've chosen this. 
I'm not going to continue to look upon men according to the flesh. First thing is that if I look at man according to the flesh, I'm going to have to judge him. I am. I mean, if I'm going to know them according to the flesh, that's going to require me to weigh out their behavior and how they look and what they do. And I'm going to, I'm going to have to make a judgment. You know what the Bible says about that? Well, if you're going to set up court for him, you've just set up court for yourself, and good luck with that. That's exactly what the Bible says. That's the uh, Todd version, but that's it. Now, the bottom line is to know someone according to the way God has called us to know them. It's to see them as God sees them. And what he sees is their need for him. And you want to be able to, to minister to people? Don't be giving them remedies for their flesh. Point them to the truth of who they are if they're Christian. Point them to the truth of their need if they're dead. Start where the real problem is. Because anybody who is struggling in this life with fear, with anxiety, with guilt, with condemnation, with bitterness, you name it, you fill in the blank, anyone who is struggling in any one of those places has one or of two problems. Number one, they haven't left that at the cross because they're dead. They're not living in the life of Christ. Or two... They did leave it with Christ at the cross and they resurrected in newness of life and they think they're still dead. They're still bearing all of the old men's clothing. They're walking around in grave clothes because they believe that somehow they're responsible for every nuance of life. How many of us have played God and enjoyed it? It's too much work. I can't handle it. You know why? I'm not God. I was made for weakness so that I might know the strength of my God. The false teachers were always looking to externals. Paul says, this is not how we'll look at man. We will not look at man according to the externals. We will not define them according to their credentials. We determined to see them as God sees them. Paul writes, I will no longer regard a fellow believer according to the flesh. That doesn't mean that Paul disregards their behavior. It means that Paul recognized that Christ died for every man regardless of their behavior or their externals. Now listen, this is a very true. You want to know how to know yourself, you know God. I'm not saying you're God. I'm just saying through him you're going to have the clearest view of you. How you see Christ will affect how you see yourself. How you see yourself will affect how you see others. If you're having problems with bitterness, start at the top of the problem. How do you see Christ? And then, when you get Christ in the proper perspective and you see him for who he is, it'll heal the wounds within you and you won't be near as sensitive to others. Not in the sense that you won't love them, but in the sense that you won't be walking around with your feelings on a stick looking to be wounded. Victimization. A friend of mine used to say it's more addictive than crack cocaine. I believe it. Victimization in this society is huge. Everybody looking for a label. Everybody looking for a malady that they can call their own. Everybody hearkening back to the past where they were abused or misused. And you know what? Jesus took every bit of that away from us. 
He took it all to the cross. Your lineage is not in your abusive father or your, your, your controlling mother. Your lineage is in Christ now. And He made you new. And you have no right to be a victim. Because God looks at you and says, You are a child of mine. You have been grasped and rescued from captivity. You have been lifted up out of the mire of selfishness. Don't live like that any longer. Consequently, we won't see others that way. Paul also refers to when Jesus walked on the earth. Men sought to know him according to the flesh, but you know what? They couldn't, could they? They had him standing right next to them and they didn't know him. They only knew him by their own estimation. But here's the thing. The Jews rejected him. His own family rejected him. And at the end of all those years of teaching and intimacy and walking alongside of him, he found his followers faithfully hiding behind locked doors. Did they know him? They didn't know him. The apostles denied him. Paul refers to a greater knowing, an intimate knowing that is greater than can be known according to the flesh. Now you've heard me talk about this before. But every one of you that is a Christian know you're a Christian. But you could not articulate that to me in a way of evidence of showing and proving to me that his life is in you. But you know. You know. Down to the very core of your being, you know. That is an intimate knowing that nobody will ever be able to wrench from you. This is what Paul's talking about. We're going to know him differently now. See, the disciples, they knew him in a body. They knew him externally. They knew him in his presence, in his geographical location. But they didn't know him the way they knew him when he became part of their very being. He says, I have come that you might have life. Not that you might have a companion, but that you might have life. It's an intimacy that, that moves. And our only, our only physical picture we have of that is marriage, where we move from dating to actually being married. And every one of us who are married know that if there's ten things you should have known about the man before you married him, you only knew three. Marriage is an act of faith. Well, the reality of it is... This is the cool part of Jesus. We didn't know even the smallest percentage of a one about him when we received him as life. And it's going to take all eternity for us to grow in the truth of it. The Jesus I know today is so much bigger and so much greater than the Jesus I accepted at nine years of age. And you know what I'm looking for? I love the idea of eternity. Because I have a feeling that it's just going to get sweeter. What's that song Mr. Rock used to sing? You remember? The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. That's the truth. That's if you're really walking with him. That's true. He says, there's a way to know him that's better than knowing him according to the flesh. We can know him through our new birth. We are now in Christ. And then, verse 17. Now, we never talk about verse 17, do we? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you haven't got it underlined in your Bible, underline it now. Therefore, if any person is engrafted, that's the Amplified, in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. 
The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Therefore, if any person is, the Amplified inserted that word engrafted. And the reason they did that is this verse is illustrative of John 15, where Jesus tells us he is the vine and we are the branches. It beautifully illustrates what Paul is saying here. Because what happens when a branch is engrafted in a vine is that it receives the life of the vine. Before it receives the life of the vine, guess what it is? A stick. It doesn't have any life. It barely has any identity. It's just a stick made for a vine, but it's a stick. We got a lot of sticks out there. They were all made for the vine. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.